a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in theory. An anomaly, properties undiscernible to mere peasants. Use this week on The Million Dollar Plan, we're talking three signs of stability. That's right. Three signs that you are financially stable. Uh, and that's what we're doing uh, all, all week uh, this week. Of course, you can catch us on PeteThePlanner.tv. And when you do, here's what you're going to see. Studio renovations, baby. There's wood everywhere. It looks like a, a wood place. Like a wood studio. Anyway, there's wood. we got a new custom desk from our friend Craig Patti. And a custom wood wall. I'm feeling good. Ready to teach about money this week. So if uh, you miss anything... By all means, go to PeteThePlanner.com to learn more. Three signs of financial stability. Uh, And we're going to begin here. The number one sign of you being financially stable is, well, you have at least one month's uh, expenses set to the side. Now, I want you to have confidence in the financial decisions you're making. And and to have that confidence, you're going to have to have some objective way to measure of whether or not you should be confident. And I think for a lot of people, it begins with an emergency fund. We talk about emergency funds all the time. This is not a, a new concept. And in a perfect world, you have three months worth of expenses set aside in your emergency fund. It's just been my experience that that can take some people years years, absolutely years to have three months worth of expenses. So think about this way. If you make $2,000 a month, that's your take home pay and your expenses are about the same, then you would need $6,000 in an emergency fund. Once you have that full emergency fund, you are considered to be uh, pretty, pretty, pretty stable. But for our exercise today, that we're just looking for three little signs of stability. I think you need to have at least one month worth of expenses saved. That's 2000 Bucks And yes, I do think you need to go out of your way to get that one month's uh, emergency fund. Here's what I mean. So often, uh, there are people in the forty dollars to $60,000 year income range that are truly making ends meet. They are making tough decisions. They're going without. They may have a little bit of debt. They wait for that third paycheck month. You know, that month uh, two is two months a year once you get three paychecks. They may wait for tax refund season to fund any shortages. But in that range, specifically forty dollars to $60,000 or even higher if you don't have the stability I want, I think you got to go out of your way to get that one month's expenses. And here's exactly what I mean. Get another gig, an additional gig, a part-time job freelancing, anything, Uber, Lyft, I don't care, deliver food, get to a point where you've got uh, stability. uh, Because if you have an emergency, you have the money to fund it. So often, the beginning of the end for someone financially is the lack of emergency fund. Because what it means is when life goes wrong, and, and by the way, life often does go wrong. When life goes wrong, what you end up doing is going immediately into debt. And then in order to fix that, not only do you have to get out of debt, but then you have to fund an emergency fund on top of that. And it's a crazy process. So A number one begins with having one month's expenses saved. I'm going to make a dramatic statement for you right now. If you do not have one month expenses saved, you do not have financial stability. 
Uh, I know our economy has been picking up the last several years. The stock market clearly is is flying high. Uh, unemployment is low and all these great things. But for your own personal economy, if you don't have one month's expenses saved, I, I don't view your financial life as that stable. Now you hear this and it's disappointing. It's disconcerting. You feel judged. Don't. Just get one month's worth of expenses. I'm not here to judge you. I, I, I take no solace in saying to you, I told you so. Right, the last thing I want to do is that you're in a bad position now. Something bad happens. You get in a worse position. It's not like I'm going to walk up to you and be like, told you so. I don't want to do that. It's the whole point. So don't feel judged by this. If you don't have one month's worth of expenses, that is the number one sign that you lack financial stability. So get to one month's worth of expenses, and I don't care how you have to do it. I don't care if you have to work at a, a store on the weekends, uh, once a uh, twice a month on the weekends you're working and just to get that those dollars up now the old-fashioned way you can do it is actually budget stop spending so much money you know i think what's fascinating is how people in, in relation to this uh manage the end of the month so uh mrs planner and i were having this discussion the other day uh, one of our sources of income for whatever reason uh, didn't arrive on time this month. A pretty significant portion. I would say 20% of our household income did not arrive this month. So as we were this past weekend going to make some financial decisions, decisions that we make every day or every month, I should say, we had to stop and say, you know what, based on this lack of income that, that, that will be here eventually, but is not here for some reason right now, we can't do what we normally do. Now, I'm not trying to take credit for this. I don't want you to write me emails and say, wow, good job not spending money that you didn't have. But I think we get in such patterns. You know, we get in these patterns of, well, on Friday nights we go here, on Saturday mornings we do this, on Tuesday afternoons we go here. And it's these habits, it's these behaviors that, that create the spending. So what I'm asking you to do is if you're trying to accumulate one month's worth of expenses is I'm asking you to change up your patterns a little bit. I mean, it, it, just, to, just to see if you're paying attention. Now, on Sunday at the grocery store, buy five cans of soup and that's your lunch for the week. Now, is this the solution to your financial ills? No, but it gets you off kilter and it gets you making different decisions. The challenge anytime you're struggling financially is to change the behaviors that got you there. Now, if you have no, uh, no money in savings, you have no emergency fund, if you don't have one month's worth of expenses, I'm not suggesting... Uh, that by all means, you're a financial disaster. But I am suggesting that one false step uh, and you're in trouble financially. So one month's expenses is the main aim there. Now, the second sign of financial stability is a little bit more complicated. It's going to gap our break coming up. But it goes back to our measure of power percentage. Uh, if you've joining us for the first time and you're not familiar with our metric of power percentage, your power percentage is how efficient you are with your income, how efficient you are with your income. Hopefully you would agree with me that if you're inefficient with your income, you are not financially stable. I don't care how much money you have in savings. I don't care how much you earn for a living. If you currently are not efficient with your income, you currently are not stable. So if you want to figure out how to, to do your power percentage, by all means, go to PeteThePlanner.com slash power dash percentage. That's PeteThePlanner.com slash power dash percentage slash dash. Who knows what's going on? Just Google Pete the Planner and power percentage. Um, so here it is. If you're not at 20%, 
If you're not at 20%, I would question how stable you really are, right? That's what's interesting here. Your power percentage, if, here's what we know. If you're below 10%, if your power percentage, once you figure it out, is below 10%, we know you're struggling financially. We know you're, uh, you're not stable. But if you're at least at 20%, no matter what your income is, we know that efficiency exists. We know you're paying down your debts. We know you're preparing for retirement. We know that you're, you're saving money. You know, I talked to one of my friends the other day who, um, just work-related, she has a 16% power percentage. She puts 12% into her 401k, 4% is the match from her employer. So 16% of her gross income is going to efficient activity, right? And that's just before her paycheck hits her home. After that, she's got a mortgage, which increases her power percentage. She puts money into savings, which increases her power percentage. She's paying down a little bit of debt, which increases her power percentage. So, I mean, that's a good way to break it down, right? I mean, you could easily get to 10%, easily get to 10% just with uh, the decisions you make with your employer-sponsored retirement plan, right? Again, uh, the goal here is not just to hit the match. Uh, over the course of a career, you want to try to have 12 to 14% of your take-home pay going towards the long term, your, your retirement, 12 to 14%. Russell Investments, based out of New York, it's a $700 billion plus uh, investment company. They have done a study that said if your entire career, you are setting aside between 12 to 14%, then you have a high chance of financial success in retirement. If you're not doing that, I mean, if you're listening right now and you're putting 8% uh, towards retirement, your chances at retirement being successful have gone down significantly. Now, here's the good news. You can include both your contributions and your employer's contributions to get to that 12 to 14%. Like my friend I was just talking about, she is putting 12% in herself. Her employer's putting in four. She's at 16%. She was making up for lost time. That's the challenge with this. As you, as you listen to the program today, if you're 40 years old, 50 years old, and I've just convinced you now to increase your contribution level to 12 to 14%. I'm glad about that. But what about the last 20 years? You weren't doing it. So you got you to gotta make up some ground and actually increase it from there. So we're going to explore this a little further when we get back. We're talking about the three things uh, that are signs, the three signs that you have financial stability. So far, we've got to one month's worth of household expenses. We're, we're talking base level stability here one month's worth of household expenses, and a 20% power percentage. We're going to talk more about that next. Uh, if you're watching on Pete the Planner TV, we'll be back. Uh, and for everyone else, we'll be back right after this. Stop what you're doing. And hit Pete up on Twitter at Pete the Planner. Question the right of any man. The voice his opinion as strongly as any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in. Camouflage by the scenery, but I'm a champion. We're back here on the million dollar plan with Pete the Planner. This week we're talking three signs that you have at least a base level of financial stability. Uh, this show really is about trying to better your financial life. Make sure you never worry about money again. We are in the midst of a retirement crisis. Like we're in it, dude. You're in it. I'm in it. 
your mama's in it, your daddy's in it. We're all in it. I think sometimes we get so caught up in what the stock market's doing, what the nation's doing, what the president's doing. Don't get me wrong. All those things are important. Uh, but we don't spend a lot of time uh, really looking at, examining what we're doing uh, to lead to a successful retirement outcome. You know, it's not a lot of times when you listen to commercials on TV or radio, everyone's got these solutions. But dude, the solution is you. The solution is you. No product, no service is going to help you. It's you increasing your contributions to your financial goals, not just retirement. I mean, we're talking your kids' education, too. We, we, you know, this week, uh, the, the Secretary of Education, is that what they're called? Betsy DeVos? Is that her? I don't know. I don't pay attention. I do pay attention. There's this talk that a lot of the student loan reform is going to go away that, that has taken place in the last administration. And don't get me wrong. I think that's uh, bad. I think student loan reform is great. But people are losing sight of uh, their responsibility to fund their education. Look, do we want low interest rates for student loans? Absolutely. Do we want student loan forgiveness programs? Well, that's probably where you and I disagree. On some level, I don't think student loan forgiveness programs make a tremendous amount of sense. Does that make me a terrible person? I don't know. Maybe some other things make me a terrible person, but I'm pretty sure that the whole point is here. So often when we want an education, we want a successful retirement, we want a house, we want a car, we're passing the responsibility onto other people. And that's how all these other businesses and products and services that come and try to solve your problems, that's how they get started because you're not taking responsibility yourself. Now, I know you didn't really want to get up. Uh, a, a talking to from me today, but that's what we're doing. So first sign of financial stability, baseline financial stability is you have one month's worth of expenses saved. Do you? I hope you do. I hope you have one, at least one month of expenses saved. Now, ideally you got three, but I want you to have at least one before you can say, yeah, we're, we've stabilized a little bit. Number two sign of financial stability is to have at least a 20% power percentage. Before the break, we talked a little bit about how to calculate your power percentage. Basically, it's all the savings and investments and debt pay down that you do over the course of one month divided by your gross income. And we talked about the fastest way to make your power percentage go up is to, is to simply to just uh, make more contributions to your retirement plan at work. It's the easiest way. If you, if you take your contribution level up to 10% of your income, your power percentage uh, it went from zero to 10%. And that's good. We want you at 20. We're halfway there. Now, a big factor in this, and we haven't talked about this in detail yet on the show, is the role that your mortgage plays in your power percentage and in your financial health. So let's examine that. Let's, let's take a look at, at two examples of how your mortgage payment would affect your power percentage. So uh, first, I'm going to take a 30-year mortgage an $150,000 loan, a uh, 4% rate uh, interest rate, which is pretty common, which makes the principal and interest payment $716 a month. Now, if you make a $716 a month payment, uh, principal and interest, $500 of that is interest on a 30-year note on the very first payment. And only $216 of it is um, principal payment. So in this example, as you're, as you're trying to figure out the role that your mortgage payment has, not only in your financial life, but your power percentage and building towards that, you can only take $216 a month of your $716 a month payment and put it toward uh, your power percentage calculation. Now that is quite, which is 31%. So 31% of your payment, you get to include in your power 
percentage calculation if you have a 30-year mortgage with a 4% interest rate. And that's in payment one of year one. Now, to, to compare that to something else, if your uh, loan is a $150,000 mortgage on a 15-year schedule at a 3.25% rate of return, your payment is going to be 300 bucks higher a month, 1054 However, the amount of principal you're going to pay on that very first payment is $647, about 61% of your very first payment goes straight to reduce debt to increase the equity in your house and goes to your power percentage. So when, when we're on the show and we're talking about the power of a 15 year mortgage, what we're actually talking about here is not blowing a majority of your payment on interest. 70% of your first payment is interest on a 30 year mortgage at a 4% rate of return or 4% interest rate, 70%. Compare that to 60% of your payment going to pay down your loan if you had a 15-year mortgage. These are the decisions that matter. When, when you're trying to make a housing decision of what you can afford and your lifestyle and all of this, there's a lot of math you're doing in your head, but unfortunately what people are not doing is the right math. They're not making these sorts of decisions. Now you may say, well, I can't afford a $150,000 house on a 15-year mortgage. Then I would say, well, then what are we doing? What are we doing? Because what you're saying there is you're willing to make a, a subpar financial decision for a 30-year period that will cost you over $100,000 in interest. Like, let's go to our example here. The total you will have paid interest on the 30-year mortgage is, uh, da, 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 da. you will have paid, on the 15-year on the mortgage, you would have paid $39,720 in interest. So $150,000 mortgage for 15 years, you'll have paid a total of $189,000 over the course of that loan. Compare that to a 30-year mortgage, and what you will have paid over the course of the loan is $107,000 in interest. The total amount you'll pay on that mortgage is $257,804. You will pay $70,000 more in interest by making a decision in your financial life. And the decision is, well, the payment's a little better right now. Think about that. What are, we, what are we trying to do? I know we're just trying to live our life. We're trying to just have a house and I'm being a buzzkill here. But if you only make so much money in your career, you have a finite, er, you have finite earning period. Let's call it 40 years. You have finite earnings. Let's call it, I don't know, a couple million dollars over the course of your career, whatever it is, million. Uh, how can you afford to do that? How can you afford to say so dismissively, eh, sure, I pay $107,000 a year more in interest, but it, it doesn't matter. It does matter, right? And that's why power percentage is so uh, effective as a measure for your financial life. Because let's say you take a 30-year mortgage and what you choose to do with the, with the money you save, the $300 a month you save by having a 30-year mortgage and the interest or in, in the example we're showing you right now, just invest the $300 a month. And if you do that, your power percentage will be the same. If you don't do that, your power percentage will suffer. So that's uh, sign number two, that your power percentage is at least 20%. Man, I hope it's at least 20%. I got an email a couple of weeks ago, actually, we dealt with on the show, a guy asking, um, do you need to make a certain amount of money to have your power percentage to be above 30%? I, yes and no. I, I think once you make $100,000 as a household income, it's much easier to have your power percentage above 30%. That being said, 
It's not like a bunch of people have their power percentage over 30% just because they make $100,000. I would say if you're in the mid-20s, if you make $80,000 as a household or less, and your power percentage is in the mid-20s or so, that's really good. It's really good. The challenge will be as your income increases over time because of cost of living adjustments or raises or whatever else, if you can keep your power percentage climbing and not absorb that new income into your lifestyle. So, so far, again, we're going to pick up after the break and give you that third measure of financial stability. But so far, one month's worth of expenses, a 20% power percentage, and the third item, well, that's coming to you right after this in the Million Dollar Plan. I'm Pete the Planner. Mr. Kinetic, Rusty Redenbacher, ATFU, Naptown. Cashing in like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul but young and age of boss player. Not from the Himalayas, but my fam gave me Gary Indiana game. Grew up around the country, but the mindset was there. Ain't I won't complain about a damn thing on this beat. All right, this week uh, here on the Pete the Planner Show, Million Dollar Plan. I don't even know what we call a show. I'm Pete the Planner. There's a million dollar plan involved. We're calling it something. Hi. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for your patience. Uh, this week, we're talking about the three signs that you have financial stability. Uh, first thing is you've got two uh, or one month worth of expenses saved. Second thing is that you've got at least a 20% power percentage. And sign of stability number three... Now, this one's a little wishy-washy. Like, I like, I like metrics. I like quantitative measures. But uh, this one's still important. You just can't lie to yourself. So I'm going to give it to you. And you have to evaluate whether this is you or this isn't you. And what I'm asking you to do is to be honest with yourself. Okay? Be honest with yourself. Do you have a clear understanding of your number one financial goal? In other words... The next extra dollar that comes into your house, do you know where it's going? So this discussion uh, was happening with a friend the other day, and he said, you know, we've had a lot of crazy expenses recently, um, which, you know, you've, you've been there, right? It's like when it rains, it pours. You, you look down, you've got housing trouble, car trouble, dog trouble. It'll happen at once, and they drain your money. And then you, you get through the deluge of expenses, and you just try to figure out what, what's next for you. So... What, what I asked him was, okay, so what are you doing now? You just weathered the storm. What are you doing now? And he hesitated. And I'm like, man, dude, this is not good. The answer is to refill your fund, right? Refill your savings. That is your number one goal. When extra money comes around, that's what you do. And here's how you do that, by the way. You examine your habits, you change those habits, and the money that was spent on the previous uh, habits needs to get redirected right to whatever your priority is. Here's, here's how it works more specifically. Let's say, uh, like a lot of families in this country, you dine out twice a week. Now, if you're listening to this right now and you go, wouldn't that be nice? Oh, save it, okay? I'm just giving you the averages here. Let's say you dine out twice a week. 
but you recently depleted your emergency fund, or you really recently went into debt, and you know that those two dining out excursions uh, over the course of the week are $75. Here's how you change it. You acknowledge the fact that you go out to eat twice a month or twice a week every month, and so then you can either A, you can say, well, if we uh, cut that down to one, that's gonna save us $150 a month to get back up, or two, if you really want to get extreme, you can cut it all the way back and save 75 bucks a week, which is $300 for the month. So often when we go in the hole, we don't make that effort and that attempt to get back out of the hole in a timely manner. Like, dude, bad stuff is going to happen to you financially. And don't think like I'm, if you're watching this or listening to this right now, don't think I'm cursing you. Bad stuff's going to happen. You're going to get a flat tire. You're going to get a speeding ticket. Your insurance premiums are going to go up for both of those reasons. Uh, you're going to dine out too much. You're going to go on vacation. That's going to happen. Like, but how you fix it and you don't let instability set in is that the next month, the next couple months, the next quarter, you make a conscientious effort to not spend as much money. Too often, people go business as usual, right? Something bad happens. They're stressed out about it. When we're stressed out about it, we just want to feel better. Right? See, I think that's one of the big issues in the financial world today that people just simply don't understand. When you're struggling financially, when you have stress, all you want to do is relieve that stress, right? That's all of us ever want is to never worry about money again. That's why we do dumb stuff. Some of us don't worry about money by just dismissing its importance. We just go, Psh, I'm not going to worry about it. Others of us try to alleviate worry by addressing our problems. But here's the challenge. If you're struggling right now, if you have financial stress, just small stress that comes with this or that, your way of alleviating it sometimes is to act like it doesn't exist by uh, exhibiting the behavior you typically uh, ex exhibit, right? So if you typically go out to eat and you're struggling financially, you will continue to go out to eat because you want to feel like things aren't as bad as they really are. It's a giant mistake. It's a giant mistake, which is why I think this third sign of financial stability is to know where the next extra dollars into your household go. That's the best way to put it. I like 30 to 90 day goals. I, I met with a, or I, I talked to a guy the other day, a pretty accomplished guy. And he said, you know what? Here's what I know about myself. I'm really bad at year long goals. They gotta be 30 day, they gotta be two week goals. And if that's the case, that's what I, I put to you right now. If you don't know right now where an extra dollar into your household goes, I don't view you to be financially stable right? If you don't know where it should go or where you want it to go and you aren't acting on that, I would view that you're not financially stable because you don't have a plan, right? Let's say you watch this show, you listen to this show and you're like, man, that's impressive. And I'm going to, I'm going to write that young man a check for 100 American dollars. I'm going to send it to his office. I'm going to open that check on Monday. I'm going to look at him. I really appreciate it. It's not nearly enough, but thank you. And, but I'll tell you, I have a plan for that hundred bucks. And no, it's not a bottle of wine. No, it's not a delicious steak. It's, it's towards one of my financial goals. I am all over saving for my kids' college education right now. Uh, you know, there's an opportunity. We may have a, a new book coming out soon, which involves a book deal and advances and all those sorts of things. And I just know when that money comes, if and when, I don't know how, how it should be, when that happens, I know exactly where the money's going. It's going to my kids' college education right? Because that's my number one goal that is not currently funded. I can't do anything else about retirement, right? And so that's another way to say it here is it's not only that it's the number one place that your extra dollars are going, but it's the number one uh, underfunded place 
uh, that, that it needs to go. For instance, um, currently I'm maxing out doing everything I can for retirement savings. I can't do anything else tax wise. So uh, I'm viewing that to be addressed. I've addressed that problem. Am I prepared for retirement? No, but I'm in the midst of executing the plan to get it done. And per my earlier comments, the, the main onus in that entire plan working is me making the contributions. If people spent half the time worrying about their contributions as they do what they're invested in, we would not have a retirement crisis in this country. I love, to we, I love that we think that the stock market's performance and what our investment decisions are, are the main factor whether or not we retire. That's ridiculous. The main factor, and you can look at every study on the planet, is how much you're putting towards retirement. And of course, I'm going to get emails saying, well, I lost all my money in 2008, 2009. Well, shame on you, man. That, that's your fault, right? It's like the, the market is never wrong. Like we like to say, well, the market screwed you. No, it, no, it really didn't. The market's not wrong. If you had been, A, properly invested, uh, you would have dipped and recovered and been uh, higher than you were before the dip. If it dipped, you sold at the bottom and got out. That's on you, Right. So I, I didn't mean to turn this into a session where I'm yelling at you for losing money in the market. But what I'm trying to point out is your main focus should be putting money away for retirement, not what it's invested with when it's over there. When you listen to commercials and, and, and the fear is stoked, you don't want to lose what you save. Sure, you don't want to lose what you save. But isn't the main factor in all this saving enough money? I've talked about this before. I think I'm going to do a whole show on it coming up. That in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, you could be a financial disaster your entire career, you can make horrific decisions, horrific, the same horrific decisions that a majority of families are making today in America and still retire successfully because of a pension. You cannot do that anymore. In fact, I'm, I'm going to try to make that next week's show is how a lack of pensions have changed the course of retirement. Uh, I was doing a program this week at Carrier. The last few folks, uh, we're finding out who gets laid off at uh, carrier air conditioners and furnaces and all that here uh, in the next few weeks. That's still sorting out from the big national debacle. And of course, been trying to help financially uh, those men and women get their lives back together. And what's fascinating to me is a lot of those folks are, are, are in the union, Steel uh, Workers 1999, the local union. And so they've got a pretty, pretty nice pension. And they could have made horrific decisions their entire career, and they'll still be okay. Right. If you don't have a pension, I don't know why I'm, I'm ruining this topic right now by talking about it now, because I'm going to talk about it next week. If you don't have a pension, you don't have the uh, the luxury of making a terrible financial decisions. So those are our three signs of stability this week. They are one month's worth of household expenses saved, a 20 percent power percentage and a clear understanding of what the next goal uh, that needs to be funded is right? What's the next unfunded goal that needs your money? If you don't know, and by the way, it's not only that you don't know, but you're not doing anything about it, right? You might know what it is, but not be doing anything about it. Let's, let's say you got an extra $300 that comes in this month. If you eat it and do something silly with it, that's a problem, right? All right. So coming up after the break, we're going to do biggest waste of money of the week. And uh, that's it. Maybe some news. So I'm Pete the Planner. This is a million dollar plan.
Every day living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted by myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I gotta do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. And this week's Blom biggest waste of money of the week is the AFO, or it could be AFO, fire extinguisher ball. Now, I gotta be honest with you. I was setting this up to be a biggest waste of money. We got on this show for the last several years. We, we choose one item that seems like a big waste of money. But this might be the coolest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> so this is not a waste of money. I think I want to buy one. But I think I would misuse it. Let me tell you more. It's called the AFO Fire Extinguisher Bowl. Hopefully you've never needed to use it. But if there is a Class A, B, or C fire at your home or business, the AFO Fire Extinguisher Ball should be nearby. First of all, no one knows what a Class A, B, or C fire at their home or business is. Like, I don't know if a Class C is worse, if a Class A is worse. Did, there, am I, I feel like I know a lot of stuff that's pointless. And I feel like I should know what a Class A fire is, but I have no idea. Anyway... Uh, it's a fire suppressant package in a compact and lightweight ball that self-detonates in three to five seconds when it comes into contact with fire and disperses non-toxic chemicals to put the fire out. It can cover an area with a radius of 86 to 107 square feet as an environment and is environmentally friendly, non-toxic, and has a shelf life of up to five years. Keep one handy while camping, grilling in the backyard, at your office or in the kitchen in case of emergencies. It's $60. But think about this for a second. It's basically like a hand grenade that puts out fire. Now, there, there's some challenges here. Like, uh, for instance, let's say uh, you don't have that good of an arm, right? Let's say you got bad aim. Don't buy a fire extinguisher ball because you're going to toss it in. And it's just going to like blow up in your bathroom and your bathroom's not what is on fire. What's on fire is your bedroom. So you got to have a decent arm, I think. But how, I mean... Maybe this could be a big waste of money because now they see this for 60 bucks. I'm going to buy this fire extinguisher ball. I'm going to get, I'm going to try to put myself in every opportunity to be in front of a fire as possible. Like I have a neighbor that has a fire pit. Like I would want to like at midnight while they're still out there making noises of, I would want to hurl this ball at them, but that's 60 bucks. How badly right now do you want to be part of a fire and to throw this reverse grenade at it and put the fire out? You know what? I have never once purchased a biggest waste of money of the week item, mainly because they're biggest waste of money. But sometimes the best use of money of the week. I want one of these fireball uh, putter outers so bad. Extinguishers, as maybe they're called. I mean, it seems prudent, right? You can throw this and it puts a fire out. It's like wizards and warriors or dungeons and dragons or whatever. I want to do a market update for you. I know in the last segment I said it really doesn't matter what the market's doing. It's really how much you're putting into it. But it is interesting. So uh, as we record this here uh, this week, it's uh, the, the, the end of April, right? It's the end of April this week. Uh, the stock market, the S&P 500 specifically, year to date is up 6.7%. I always like, I know I always sort of account on, on long-term goals, is about 8% a year. 
out of my entire investment portfolio. And so far, uh, this calendar year, year to date, the S&P 500 has returned a 6.71% rate of return. Now, on the one year, on the one year, so 12 months, last 12 months, we're at 14%. So, you know, again, every, when I talk to people about their investments and their financial lives and all these different things, they tell me different things, uh, but here's what I know. 14% is really good. I had a guy the other day tell me, oh, my, my retirement stinks. It's no good. Uh, you should be getting about 14% right now. Your 401k is not the problem. It's maybe the investments you're choosing. The NASDAQ, which is another measure of financial, uh, of a financial market, the NASDAQ is up 12.29% uh, year to date and up 24% in the last 12 months. The NASDAQ is up 24%, which would, which would suggest um, you're talking about doubling your money in about three to four years at that pace. Now, it's not going to continue. There's no way it's going to continue. Uh, but all the same, that's pretty darn good. Uh, 24% in the last 12 months. So that's all we have for this week for you. I encourage you to, of course, go to PeteThePlanner.com. <laughs> I can't even talk. PeteThePlanner.com. Of course, you can go to PeteThePlanner.tv as well if you'd like to see the episode in our beautiful, new, uh, newly renovated studio. I was in Portland and Phoenix last week, and while I was there, the studio was being renovated, and I love it, and it's delicious. That's a weird way to describe things. Be sure to read my column in USA Today. Until next time, I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Million Dollar Plan. If you want to be on this podcast and have Pete fix your money life, then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on. This is for information purposes only. It's not the Swiss financial planning device. Consult a financial divisor. Release from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me ET, word to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing. I'm the reason. Uh, salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, Salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound and travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home, filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole, event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, adjourn. and beats I burn, I burn, I burn, I burn. This I adjourn, and beats I burn, I burn. Salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the sole controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try, can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?